<clears throat> Grace and mercy and peace be from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for tonight's message I read to you before from Isaiah chapter 63. We'll be focusing mainly, I think, on verse 9. I don't know how many of you have changed calendars yet. Maybe you're just right now in the process of accumulating calendars. I know I've already thrown three in the trash. Uh, I'm sure I've got a few more laying around, but ultimately I'll put one up. I don't know if you know much about calendars, but uh, in the ancient calendar that was used by the Romans, from which our calendar was created, each month had a special meaning. For example, February was so named because that was the time of the year that they had a feast called February. March was named after Mars, the god of war. May was probably derived from the female goddess Maya. June was named after the goddess Juno. July and August were named after two Roman emperors, Julius Caesar and his successor, Caesar Augustus. September, October, November, and December were named for the Latin numbers 7, 8, 9, and 10, because that's the order in which those months fell. One month, though, that had a particularly descriptive name was January. The Latin word janua uh, means a door or a window from which a person may look both ways. In other words, you can look in and out, or you can look forward or backward. Historians also say that January is derived from the name Janus, or Janus, a commonplace household god uh, among the Romans. That's an interesting God because this God had two faces, one in front and one in back. (coughs) Literally, he could see where he'd been and could also see where he was going at the same time. You know, tonight, we're kind of in that same situation. We stand at the doorway to the month of January in a new year. We naturally look back over the way we've come, the year 2011, And we're naturally at the same time kind of looking forward to the new year, 2012, and where we're going. As we celebrate this New Year's Eve, we're going to look at the year that has passed and the year that lies ahead. And I just pray this evening that um, we, through the Word of God, that we be able to share this evening, also be moved to celebrate God's grace, past, present, and future. The text I read to you before comes from the end of a prophecy by Isaiah. Isaiah <coughs> had just finished describing the changes the Messiah would bring to God's people. Uh, and here he goes on to describe the effects of his preaching uh, to the faithful people. And he introduces this final section of his prophecy by using a prayer that describes a person who's looking back and saying thanks for all of God's blessings. Now, this prayer that I read to you before, and I'm going to read little bits of it here again a little bit later, reminds us to look back in appreciation of God's grace in 2011 and look ahead with anticipation to year 2012. Now, we don't really have to look very far back in the year that is ending to be reminded of God's undeserved love. In fact, we only need to look back one week. A week ago tonight, many of you were here, it was Christmas Eve. We were reminded that Christ was born to live the holy life that we have not lived. He came to die under the just punishment for our sins. 
And that's the clearest and most complete reminder of God's kindness and love for us. But obviously, our spiritual blessings for 2011 here at First Lutheran were not confined to Christmas Eve. In fact, go all the way back to January of 2011. For 52 Sundays, our God has fed us with his word when we gathered for worship or in a Bible class or in Sunday school. We followed Jesus to the cross. We shouted, He is risen. He is risen indeed. We've listened to the words read and spoken about our Savior. Uh, In Bible class and Sunday school and through our personal time in God's Word, we found healing and hope. And we have felt God's presence this past year and been reassured of His love when we sinned and we fell short. And even as we celebrate God's grace tonight, we look back in appreciation of the year of enjoying the Word of God and everything that God's Word brought us. In 2011, we also received the pledge that we are forgiven children of God as we regularly took part in the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper. And it's here in this sacrament that we are invited to eat and drink, and it's the proof of the full payment for our sins that has been made. And at this table where you gathered this evening, we were reminded that someday we will eat and drink again in the kingdom of heaven. And even though we have a lot of things to be thankful for tonight, I would say that we should be most thankful for what we as Lutherans call the means of grace. In other words, his word and the sacraments. Now, the person that was praying here in our text from Isaiah acknowledged that the Lord had done many great things for his people. He reminded them that the Lord had brought the people out of Egypt. He had given them a land flowing with milk and honey. He had defeated their enemies. And through a lot of wonderful, mighty miracles, he would protected his people They prospered them in the land. He blessed them with crops, other sources of income. He did all of these purely out of his compassion and love for these people. They were God's people, and because they were God's people, they enjoyed all the benefits of being God's people. That little reminder of what God did for his people of old ought to remind us again of what God does for his people today. He still does great things for us. I don't think there would be anybody here, if you sat and thought long enough, who couldn't tell of a kindness that God showed you or your family this past year. I mean, who of us cannot tell of the deeds for which God is to be praised, looking back over this last year? I mean, our Lord has given us shelter. He gives us food. He gives us clothing. We have enjoyed the blessings of family and friends. We have enjoyed God's creation for another year. The Lord has provided us with blessings beyond belief way more than we can use, way more than we could even imagine. But let's be honest, everything in 2011 wasn't all that good either. I mean, some of you might be sitting there saying, you know, I had plenty of problems, plenty of troubles this year. In fact, it may have been one of the worst years I've ever had. I lost my job, I was sick, I faced financial problems, other troubles. You know, those of us who live here in East Texas would say, It just didn't rain, and it didn't rain, and it didn't rain, and it didn't rain. I mean, 2011 was not a a very good year. And and so maybe some of you are sitting there saying, I don't know that God did all that much for me. But you know, when Isaiah recorded this prayer in chapter 63, he could have said similar things to that. He and other believers at this point were facing persecution. Their country was under the threat of a foreign invasion. And outwardly speaking, things were really bad and things seemed very uncertain. 
Yet Isaiah knew <coughs> that no matter how bad things looked, God was with him and God was with his people. Isaiah knew that he could only see things from a human perspective, but he knew that from God's perspective that God was still going to be able to work everything out. And because of God's grace, all of us can look back at this year again with appreciation. No matter what has happened in 2011, God has still been good to us. And we're reminded that even when things look bad in 2011, God is with us. In verse 9 it says, In all their distress, he too was distressed. I don't know if you ever thought about that. When you went through distressing times this last year, whether it's the loss of a job or loss of crops or loss of money or whatever it was or loss of a family member, when you were distressed, the Bible says, God was distressed as well. Through all the trials, God was sympathetic to us. I think it always makes us feel a little bit better when somebody knows what we're going through. When someone understands. And that's a reason to celebrate God's grace. God felt our pain this last year. When we were shedding our tears of sorrow, he was watching us and he was caring for us. Verse 9 says, and the angel of his presence saved them. You ever stop and think about that? That the angels of God would be around us all the time? I mean, I wonder how many close calls we had this last year we didn't even notice. We may never know how many disasters the Lord protected us from this last year. We may have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and not even known it was happening. But we do know that the Lord saved us from disaster. He sent his angels to protect us and to shelter us under his protecting hand. Verse 9 says, In his love and mercy he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. You see, again, through everything that happened, God was there. And, you know, as we celebrate God's grace on this New Year's Eve, we look back in appreciation again at God's protection in our lives. The Lord said in Isaiah 46, I have upheld you since you were conceived and have carried you since your birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I mean, just think about that from conception to today. All the way through our old age, God promises to be with us. And from year to year, he sustains us and helps us. So as we look back at this, we look back again with appreciation. We celebrate God's grace to us in 2011. But maybe some of you are wondering, why did God allow some of those problems to fall into your life this last year? Well, I would suggest that he used those things that seem bad to draw us closer to him in relationship. They kind of serve to remind us that the Lord is our strength and that he is the only way out. I was watching uh, Animal Planet one night, saw something very interesting. I watched the birth of a baby giraffe. Pretty exciting. But then I, I saw something that just really freaked me out. When a baby giraffe is born, the mother does something very strange. In fact, what she does to that newborn uh, giraffe calf seems cruel. She walks over and gives that baby calf a good swift kick. And when that baby doesn't get up, she kicks him again. In fact, she'll keep on kicking that baby giraffe until the baby giraffe slowly but surely stands up. And then I'm thinking, oh, great, she's 
just stopped kicking him. But that's not the end of it. She walks over and knocks him down again. And then kicks him again so that he can remember how it was that he learned to stand up. <coughs> now, you have to ask yourself, why does Mama Giraffe do that? Well, very simple. That giraffe has got to learn how to walk very quickly after birth. After all, there are lions and hyenas and leopards and wild dogs that would enjoy a baby giraffe dinner. If the mother doesn't do what looks like a cruel thing, that little baby would never survive. Now, I don't want to stretch the point too far, but I think the Lord kind of does that to us from time to time. He allows us to be knocked down to teach us how to get up and to teach us where to go for help. He teaches us how to be strong and and how to face the attacks of the devil in this world. I would suggest that if you've been through any struggles this last year, as a Christian, you should have come out just a little bit stronger. You learned how to rely and trust on God more fully. He's been with you. He carried you. He protected you. But that's last year. The other part of our New Year's celebration is looking ahead. I don't know how many of you make resolutions or plans. Uh, I really don't anymore. I, I guess if I have any resolution, is I'm making a resolution never to make any more of them. That's kind of like I've given up giving up things for Lent. Uh, I just figure I want to live one day at a time under the hand of God. But we do still make plans. We look forward to another year of God's grace. And that gives us a great advantage over a lot of people who will celebrate New Year's Eve this evening. And when we go forward with God's grace, we can go forward into 2012 with anticipation. Now, what is it that we can look forward to in anticipation in 2012? I tell you, it is, again, God's grace and God's mercy. We know that we're going to fall short, and we know that we are going to stumble many times. But we also have that promise that in the past, that's still in the future, that God's mercy is new every day. We know that God will forgive us in 2012 like he did in 2011. We look ahead to 2012 in anticipation of God's grace and forgiveness. We also look forward to 2012 with anticipation because we have the blessing of God's word for another 52 Sundays. I mean, once again, we will find hope and comfort in the word, and prayerfully that word will build you up in faith and will provide you with guidance. In 2012, God willing, we're going to see souls enter the kingdom of God through baptism. In 2012, we will grow in love for one another as we stand in front of this altar and receive the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 2012 will be a good year, no matter what happens, because we have the one thing we need. We have the means by which God brings us His grace. We have His Word, and we have His sacraments. Now, sadly, instead of looking ahead to 2012 with anticipation, there are many who look ahead with fear and trepidation. Maybe it's you. I mean, will the economy this year be, next year, be good or bad? Will companies be laying off or hiring? Will taxes go up or down? Will investments go up or down? What if we lose a loved one? What if we lose a job? What if some disaster strikes? What if there's another major terrorist attack? Well, to that, I just take us back to God's word, verse 9. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. 
What God's word is telling us, friends, is that in any distress that might come our way in 2012, God will be with us. He will rescue us and he will carry us through the worst of times. So how does our knowledge of God's grace and goodness for this new year affect any plans we want to make for 2012? Well, we make them, but we also make them in accordance with God's word. I want you to listen to some great New Year's advice. It comes not from USA Today or something like that. It actually comes from the Bible. James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I posted something on Facebook today. The question was, what's the difference between 2011 and 2012? You know what the answer is? That's about it. About one second. That's the only difference. We really don't know what's out there, but we're going to move ahead. And we are going to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we will do whatever it is that he plans for us. As we look forward to 2012 with anticipation, we recognize that it will be only by God's grace and only according to God's will that we make plans. I mean, that experience allows me to stand before you tonight and preach this text with great confidence. In the good times and in the bad times, God is with us. And as his children, we tell of all the good things he's done for us. In 2011, we have enjoyed his love and his grace and blessing. We have enjoyed his word and the sacraments. He has been with us through everything this past year, even our pain and even our sorrow. We look back in appreciation, but we also look forward in anticipation. Why? Because God will be with us again in 2012. He will provide us with everything that we need physically and spiritually. He will comfort us and share our pain and our sorrow. And so tonight, whether you ring in the new year like me at 11 o'clock joining the people in New York, or whether you rang it in this afternoon like Jimmy when he saw the people in Australia do it, like that song says, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, it's got to be New Year's somewhere. Wherever you ring it in, celebrate God's grace. Grace that allows you to look back with appreciation, but grace that allows you to look forward in anticipation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have brought us through another year. And while we've certainly had ups and downs, not only as individuals and families and even as a church and a nation, we trust in your word that you've been with us. That even in in, in the deepest misery of our life, you were there with us. You carried us. You surrounded us with your loving angels. You guarded and guided and protected us. We thank you for the word and the sacrament, for the powerful teaching and preaching of the word and for the many Bible studies and the Sunday schools and every other opportunity we have to be in your word. We thank you for the precious gifts of baptism and Holy Communion as well. And Lord, again, we just are in such great appreciation for your grace. But at the same time, we look forward in anticipation, wondering what it is that you have in store for us. What you have in store for us as individuals or families or as a church or as a nation. 
But Lord, we're going to look ahead because you know you're already ahead of us. You've already laid out those plans. And so we're going to do just like James says. We're going to say, as the Lord wills, this is what we will do. Father, again, thank you for this last year. May we celebrate your grace always. In Jesus' name, amen.